Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... This episode of the Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Artwalks, kids' shoes based on kids' books. They launched their first line of shoes with six designs by three artists, John Clausen, Scott C., and Joey Chu. Get your own pair along with other great baby shower gifts by supporting them on Kickstarter. To check out their campaign, click on the link in the show notes for this episode at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast, or scroll down to find the link in the show notes displaying on the app you're listening to right now. Support also comes from the Highlights Foundation. The Highlights Foundation is excited to be hosting an important event this June 14 to 16, Building Cultural Competency in Today's Children's Publishing Industry, a working symposium. They've put together a stellar faculty of changemakers to guide you, including Edith Campbell, librarian and social justice advocate, Dr. Debbie Reese, educator and author, Renee Watson, author, educator, and activist, Paula Yu, author and TV writer-producer, Dr. Laura Jimenez, educator and reviewer, and Dr. Marisala Jimenez-Garcia, author and educator. Space is limited, so be sure to register for this exciting workshop symposium today. Visit highlightsfoundation.org slash programs. That's highlightsfoundation.org slash programs. I got Kelly. Kelly, hi. This is Matthew. Nice to meet you. And Juliana, it's been a while, but nice to see you again. Yeah, nice to see you again. And Victoria... I'm here. Hello, my friend. Hi, nice to talk to you again. Nice to talk to you, too. How's East Coast? It's pretty good. Well, uh, cold. No, let me scratch that. It's terrible. It's lots of snow. But where, wait, good. where are you? I thought you were closer to me. We're not getting any snow. Oh, really? We, I'm in Pennsylvania. We still have a ton of snow on the ground. <sighs> Pennsylvania. Ugh. We just keep getting all the like rain while you get snow. Uh... Lame. <laughs> What does it take to adapt a graphic novel into an audiobook? That's the question we're asking today, and I've brought on quite a team to walk us through it. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 505. I'm your host, Matthew Winner, and today I'm joined by Victoria Jameson, cartoonist of Roller Girl. Roller Girl was awarded the Newbery Honor, and it's a graphic novel that belongs in every library. The story features a girl named Astrid, who decides that this summer she's going to forego the camp she's attended year after year with her best friend in order instead to try out a roller derby camp. The Roller Girl audiobook was produced by Kelly Gilday and Juliana Wilson, and they each join us to share a peek behind the scenes of casting and accomplishing a graphic novel adaptation for listeners. But wait, 
Doesn't removing the visual element go against what a graphic novel is at its core? Oh, believe me, dear listener, what we discuss in terms of serving the listeners and expanding access in this conversation is just awesome. Please welcome my guests, Victoria Jameson, cartoonist of Roller Girl, and Kelly Gilday and Juliana Wilson, producers of the Roller Girl audiobook. My name is Victoria Jameson. I use she, hers, and I'm an author illustrator. Um, I've illustrated picture books, but now I mostly illustrate and write graphic novels, including All's Fair Middle School and Roller Girl, which we're talking about today. My name is Kelly Gilday. I go by she and her. I am a senior executive producer at Penguin Random House and Listening Library, and I produce and direct a lot of titles, but this is the first graphic novel that I've ever um, helped adapt and bring to audio. I'm Juliana Wilson. I am an executive producer at Penguin Random House and our audio special projects manager, which just basically means that I have my hands in a few different creative and strategic projects for us. It's actually, this is the first graphic novel that any of us have worked on in-house. So it was definitely a first venture for both Kelly and me. Oh my word, I have a million billion (laughs) questions, especially because you just outed yourself as this being the first. That's amazing. But first, for those that aren't familiar with the comic, Victoria, would you mind introducing uh, Roller Girl to those that don't know this um, Newberry Honor winning book? Heyo! (laughs) sure Uh, it's a graphic novel it was my first graphic novel too it's all of our first it was my first graphic novel and it's about roller derby Um, and it's about a 12 year old skater named Astrid who is introduced to the sport and she um, just joins a summer camp to learn how to play roller derby and to be a derby girl and Victoria, since I know you from social media, can I ask if you have any special connection to roller derby? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, I, when I wrote the book, I was playing roller derby. And newsflash, I've just joined my local league here, too. I've been to about five practices so far. So Nice. There's a I, Pennsylvania league. Did, did you keep your name or change your name? <laughs> I kept my name. I did try to change my number to 12, like Astrid, but um, somebody in the league already had 12. So I'm still still 184, Winnie the Pal. Winnie the Pal. Yeah. <laughs> when your book came out, and I remember way back when Nick interviewed you on Picture Booking Podcast, mm-hmm. it, was, it was on that podcast or around that time that I started hearing all these amazing librarian related um roller derby names like the dewey decimator and that has never ever left my brain so thank (laughs) you for that sweet sweet thing actually one of my um when i first started playing i wrote to betsy bird when she had her fuse eight um i guess it's still called fuse eight but i'd ask for literary derby names and there were so many good ones Um, nice well, yeah. I I love your comic. I know it's made a bunch of state lists and award lists and things like that. Um, but since we last talked, Victoria, I now have a kid in the house that reads comics. I have an eight-year-old, and I talk about him a lot on the show. But in particular, he is reading Roller Girl and is now experiencing the audiobook, too. But he has burned through the, the graphic novel. Um, And he actually had a question that I wanted to ask you before we get into making audiobooks. Ready for this? Because I didn't know how to answer this. Okay, comic maker. My son wanted to know why in comics, or most comics, but this is the first comic he's ever asked about it, are the words written in all caps? Ah, 
That is a good question. I've had some, a few parents actually write to me and say, could you not do that? It's harder for my kid to read it. Oh. Um, you know, I don't really know what the answer is. My brain uh, always, my... yeah, obviously for me, I just went to, well, because of Marvel. That's why they're all caps, because somebody started it that way. Yeah, but... I did. Um, I have other graphic novels, The Great Pet Escape, and those were for younger kids. And I wrote those not in all caps. Right. Um, because I think they're for younger readers, so they wanted to keep it easier to read. Interesting. He also mm-hmm. asked, this was really cute, and I just had to, we had a moment of explaining how we read. But he asked why some of the books were bold if you had a glossary. And I was like, oh, no, no, buddy, those are the ones you emphasize. So when you read it, you read it like this. And that's what actually brought us up to, I should give you the audiobook to this. Um, because my son also, gosh, this is like, let me brag about my son day, which is fun. Um, but my son doesn't read a whole lot. So I'm really loving that he loves comics because his dad does too. But he now has been getting into whenever he plays Roblox. Do you know this game, Roblox? Um, whenever he plays Roblox... Um, he um, is required to play it with sound off and listening to audiobooks. So we are constantly nice. stocking up from the library on audiobooks, and he just now like burns through stories and wants to talk about them all the time. And the stories are linked to when he's playing certain things with his friends online. <laughs> so he's making these really weird, cool connections. But um, uh, yeah, anyway. Well, it's such a great strategy. Uh, right? Sorry to jump in. Uh, I oh, no. over somebody. That's such a great strategy to get him listening and reading um, and also, you know, enjoying his activity that he would normally be doing. So good parenting move over there. Well, yeah. someone said to me, are you afraid that he is like not hearing the whole story? And I said, well, I mean, I listen to audiobooks, so I'm sure while I'm driving, I'm not hearing the whole story or while I listen, like there must be some parts that I'm not picking up, but he's picking up other stuff and He'll listen to it twice or three times. So, like, game on. (laughs) It's interesting. I also have an eight-year-old son, and he has been steering away from most female protagonist stories, and he loved listening to Roller Girl. So thank you, Victoria. Oh, yay. (laughs) It was a great story that he was really really engaged in. Is your eight-year-old on Roblox? They can play together. He's not. (laughs) I need need to get him on there. They can listen together. Oh, Kelly. We we (laughs) share a – we have a Nintendo Switch, and we share an online account. And so when I share it with my students, hey, if you want to play me on Mario Kart or something, you can. Um, my son is constantly changing the username. So I'm always like, um, the username is now TacoMan87, but you can find me. So that's cute. Eight-year-olds, it's a sweet spot. Yeah. Victoria, yeah. did you always have – I might have asked you this when we were talking about All's Fair in middle school, but did you – have you always been drawn to that middle grade age? Um. Well, I think when I started, because I started as an illustrator, I thought naturally, more naturally picture books, because I'm so drawn to the art part of it. Um, I think it was really when I was playing roller derby and wanted to write this book, I started thinking more about middle grade. But they were always the books that I loved as a kid, like Ramona. Um, So just, it it took me a lot to refine my love for middle grade. But once I did, I was like, what was I thinking? Of course, middle grade. Nice. (laughs) Well, I, I, you know, I've, I've said this before that I'm so glad you, you, found comics or the comics found you and that's where you express so much of your storytelling but juliana kelly i have to ask why or just how did you make the decision to choose to do an audiobook of a graphic novel because it it works just like a radio show it's it's beautiful the way it works 
But for you both to say that this is the first time you've done it, I wonder what it took to get it to 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 production. So the interesting thing about how our team works is essentially the acquisitions process and the production creative process are two separate groups. So we actually have acquisitions editors who are actively going out and seeking new material for audio. And we're always talking about how we want to try out new things over here. We want to be experimental. Um, We want to bring new types of books to the genre. So it was actually our editorial acquisitions team that acquired the audio rights to this and trusted us with the content. And um, when our title divvy came around, which is essentially when we pick off our favorite titles to work on, uh, I picked this title, but we had discussed that we should really team up for these types of new types of ventures. So one, we could learn from each other as producers and also explore what exactly we want this certain type of content to look like. So I was super thrilled that after that meeting, Kelly called me up and she was like, can I work with you on this? And I- Immediately. Immediately (laughs) immediately called me. You took this title, but I would love to work on it too. And and so Kelly and I have worked together for years and years and years. And I, I mean, I always admire her work in the studio as well as just a friend on the side. But um, Kelly is the producer who won Audiobook of the Year for Lincoln and the Bardo last year. Um, Congratulations. Congrats. Thank you. She's she's always incredibly innovative and great with multicast. And on top of being a producer, she's a phenomenal director. And she ended up being our director on this project as well. Well, thank you for those kind words. (laughs) I was very happy to be working with you, too. Kelly, why jump up and down for for this i other than i know i've already outed juliana for just like how much (laughs) she gets to just play and have fun and try new stuff it's not unlike being a librarian maybe this is why we get along (laughs) but but i think i think julie and i were both drawn to it for reasons that you know i think we both like being challenged by like julie said new formats um this was something that hadn't been done before and that is exciting to me and also it's such a strong story and it's about something I can really identify with and there's just so much depth and richness to um, the book and it was just a perfect combination of all those things that intrigued me and and I really wanted to work with Juliet like she said we had we never got the chance to really work together so it was really fun to collaborate on casting and you know talk about the adaptation and it was it was a really great and joyful experience. Victoria, I know that when you sold the book that, you know, in that contract, I know that there's always those lines about rights for audio and stuff like that. But did you ever imagine that this would become an audiobook? Um, well, first of all, thanks for thinking I remember my con- contracts. That's why I have an agent. <laughs> um, well done. Well done. <laughs> Um, no, I never imagined it becoming an audiobook. And actually, like, if I'm being completely honest, I, I was like, what is this even going to look like? Or, you know, not even look like I think I just showed my bias that I'm so visually oriented that I was like, how can it possibly be an audiobook? Um, but I think, yeah, like what you said about experimentation and trying new things, that's what I try to hold on to. I guess I'm the opposite of you all because I'm like, do things. No, thank you. <laughs> I'll stick to what I know. But um, I think Penguin has been so wonderful with me and my books that I had a lot of faith in how they would handle this. So it was a great learning experience for me, too. 
I had, you know, I shared that on social media too when I was first starting to listen, that my brain was sort of circling around why, why adapt a graphic novel? But I realized how ableist I was being, that I wasn't even, I, I, I suppose I was thinking of it first as, oh, it could accompany the book the way my kid reads. You read the book and listen along with it. That makes sense. Um, but I wasn't even thinking that, for example, one really great application here is for kids that don't know how to read yet or kids that don't normally have access to books because they can't read, because they're blind. I've taught students before that, that rely on um, Braille adaptations of books, but an audiobook would serve them really well in this case too. And especially, I feel like graphic novels, they'd miss out on that entire format if it weren't for taking chances like this. Mm-hmm. So thanks for in that decision uh, as a as a you know a large team the acquisitions and and you both as well for allowing that greater access. But then you have this challenge of you've got a book that is driven by visual storytelling the way that all comics are. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. Support also comes from Bharat Babies. Bharat Babies produces children's books about India with a story for everyone. I've featured their books several times on the podcast and through blog posts, but now I've got a special offer for you, dear podcast listener. Visit baratbabies.com and get $5 off any purchase of $19.95 or more when you use the code READINGISRAD. That's baratbabies.com, B-H-A-R-A-T-B-A-B-I-E-S.com. Offer code READINGISRAD. So what did adapting it, adapting it for, whatever, adapting the manuscript in order to be a, an audiobook. What did that process look like? Was that something you hired out, or that that you, no. Kelly and Juliana, did? Yeah, it was. Um, it was a collaboration between Kelly and myself. So essentially, we oh started. My goodness, you do wear um, lots of hats. This is cool. <laughs> um, so we started off by discussing a lot of the various characters and coming up with several different ideas for which actors could play them. And again, we were reinventing or inventing this process from the beginning because this has never been done by our team before. So we started off with a communal word doc that we were sharing and then we switched it over to an Excel doc that lists all the various characters and who we're thinking about hiring. Um, that led us onto the phone to discuss that, um, those various voices. But we we realized that we had to do a massive multicast book for this because unlike with any normal novel format, there's no he said, she said, there's no description that indicates who's speaking. So we really needed a robust cast. And I forget, uh, maybe Kelly knows um, how many actors we ended up with, but I think it's around 30. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I actually don't know the exact number, but I, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think it is about, about that many. And then what Kelly and I also got into talking about was essentially how to bring out the emotion and the visuals of these various panels. And what we turned to for that was sound effects and music. Yeah, all of those panels, you don't skip a panel. You you have to act it out. It is just like that listening to a radio show. And I felt I felt like uh I, I felt like I was also most impressed that 
listening to the audiobook still felt as though it took the same amount of time as reading the book, that mm-hmm. you didn't rush it. That so much if we were to, I don't know, when we watch a movie adaptation of a book, there's so much that is described in words that you just fly through it when you can show a visual. But but here the audio seemed to just keep pace with 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 the visual and I just yeah there was just a lot that that was really um that was a stage production that was really well well directed thank you there were um on our first reading of it also as we were digesting the story we were making notes of panels that had visuals where you know story was being told strictly through images and how we would you know, communicate that to our listeners. So there was there was some collaborating with Victoria there about can we add a line here or you know clarify some text here so that our listeners are not confused about what's happening in the story if if there is no specific um, you know words here. See, that's interesting too, Victoria. For you to return to a book so many years after it's been finished, after it's done, into to put yourself back into the story, to, to make sure that those choices that are being made, you know, maintain the integrity of, of those characters and the storyline you developed, right? Yeah, that was really interesting. I mean, I, obviously I still talk about Roller Girl a lot when I visit schools and I'm always, you know, discussing it, but it's been a while since I really did a deep read of it again, or even listening to it. I was like, oh yeah, I like this book. Um, <laughs> but I think those... And those emails that I got, I was actually surprised that there I didn't have more areas where I had where we had to add words or add lines. I think I was surprised when I listened to the audiobook about how many things could be told through sounds. Like you don't need to say they get out of a car because you can hear a car door slamming, or you don't need to say like and then she got hit and fell down because you hear someone falling. So I think sound can do so much more than I think it can because I'm not really tuned to auditory stuff most of the time. See, I was impressed with that, too, that I had read Roller Girl when it came out. So that was, I mean, a couple of years ago. And so to revisit the story without the book in front of me, to revisit it strictly over audio and to see what things came back, I was really impressed. And this is not just to like, <laughs> let me have you on the show and just pat your back constantly. But I was That's really... That's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you a lot. Well, wonderful. But, but I was really impressed that that there weren't moments that confused me. I, I was waiting for something's not going to translate. There's got to be a moment that I'm just like, what is going on here? But it did. And maybe that was because of the large cast. So I could have those distinct voices to know who was playing whom. Or maybe it was because the 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 sound effects were just directed so well that that it really took care of the listener. And so Kelly, I think what I want to bring it back to as your role in director is I I know as Victoria was writing this book, she's editing and editing and and having editors look at it. And and, and there's lots of check-ins along the way before it gets finalized and sent to publish. What does that editing process look like for you as you're tweaking it to make sure it's right? I imagine with audio, at least with recording voice, you once you hire those actors and bring them in, it's not as though they're just always in house to keep recording if something needs to be tweaked. Right. 
Um, well, I will say we, Julie and I didn't do the post-production on this. We worked with um, an editing team, Ted Scott and Heather Scott, who are a married couple who we've worked with on many projects in the past. And they are the ones who got all the sessions that we recorded, put them together and then created this soundscape um, so that the credit for the sound effects and music goes to them. Of course, we listened to it afterwards and, you know, made sure we were on board with everything, but it was truly a collaboration with them as well. Is that, do you find the way most projects work that you're, you're constantly in this state of collaborating, of relying on others, of bringing what you have to the table, but also knowing that the project ultimately will be strengthened by the team? We hope so. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is the goal. And I I think we have a great team here and we work with a lot of really great freelancers and uh, everyone brings something to the table. Nice. And we have to uh, tip our hats to Ted Scott as well um, for putting in the extra effort with this one, because he in fact went to a roller derby to record live ambient sound to put it on the recording so that we had that authenticity there. Going around the track. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And the whistles. That was amazing. Yeah, that was... <laughs> he was, Ted was very committed to lear- <laughs> learning the, the world and uh, getting all that stuff exactly right. So yeah, he, he's a wonderful, wonderful um, editor and, and, re- and recording engineer as well. It's hearing you like it makes sense that he would do that, but my brain didn't jump immediately to something like a sound engineer needing to make sure they do research to provide the right representation of those scenarios. That's uh, well, it worked out. It worked out really well. Victoria, did you get a chance to listen to the audiobook? Yeah, I listened to it um, on the way to a school visit and um I think this is why I don't actually listen to too many audiobooks because I get too into it. I remember I was at a green light and people were honking me like, move it. <laughs> um, but I loved it. I, I started crying about five minutes in um, because it's just such a special thing to hear somebody else interpret your book that I thought I knew so well. Um, but I was hearing all sorts of new things. And I think as an author, it's a very privileged thing to have. Like, you know, that when you make a book, people are going to bring their own experiences and even if you hear someone else read a book, the same book you've read, they'll add different intonations or experience it a different way. And it was just such a gift to be able to hear my book in a different way. It was amazing. It struck me that as I've taught, um, there've been moments throughout my career where I've had to help and guide teachers on how to read aloud graphic novels that you can use graphic novels for, you know, in your instruction or as a read aloud. And, and the way we always, or the way I always showed was with, a document camera or something that you can zoom up on the on the um, panels so that kids can absorb what's going on on the page and through the page turns, but then also doing a bit of reader's theater, acting it out as a class. So it's neat that that you've done that here, and I, I can't help but wonder how hearing this for some children and some teachers may inspire them to look at how they could approach bringing other stories to life in a new way, too. Because you, you just don't know, right? You don't know how you're going to affect the students. You don't know how they're going to hear things and, and take it the step forward. But, Juliana, Kelly, have you all been working on other graphic novels since? I know that I read or I listened to um, 
the Lincoln Purse book, the Midnight's yeah. book. Yeah, I, I listened to it also. I didn't work on it. As far as I know, those are the only two our team has done. Is that right, Julie? So yeah. far? Yeah, I know that there are many more coming this year, so we're all gearing up for that. Um, but yeah, no, th- these are the only ones we've done so far. So I know we're dipping our toes a little bit more into picture books and how we can adapt those. Um, so... Yeah, but the, so far, this this has been it so far. Well, I'm glad that this is something that you both, it sounds like all three of you, feel like it was successful and feel like it was something that can be done again or would have interest to do again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. From the moment I heard it, I, the first thing <laughs> I thought about was, Victoria, I think I told you this, but it reminded me of what whomever this was that published it, what whomever did with, uh, the invention of Hugo Cabret, right? Because that book won all sorts mm-hmm. of awards and it was heavily, heavily illustrated. But to think of making an audiobook with something that had no, no words in some point made sense then when I, when I heard the audio adaptation. But to go here to something that's paneled and how, again, uh, I just, comics <laughs> are the greatest format because there's so much that's being done between the panels and in the panels and in the text and, there's, and on the page turn. There's so much going on. And I'll just say it again. You, you, really, you really knocked it out of the park. You really treated this book with love and care. And I think you really lifted Astrid's story. And, um, and I'm really, really grateful that I had the chance to listen to it and, uh, you know, hear about the magic behind the book. Thank you for sharing the magic. Thank you so much. And props to our amazing cast who, oh my <laughs> you know, are the lion's share of the reason why this is, uh, it turned out so well, I think. Well, and that's what was exciting for me since Kelly was in the studio with all of these actors. She got to hear everyone live, but I didn't get to hear it until it was all pieced together. And it was amazing to hear everything that we envisioned come together in such a fun and sometimes surprising way. Um, in that you you hope you are executing everything that you were envisioning. Um, but it was so fun to have the surprise of hearing certain actors' voices and mm-hmm. knowing I had cast them before, but you know, even just PJ Oakland, who um, was the announcer and hearing what an, a tremendous <laughs> job he did as the <laughs> announcer. And, and then additionally, you know, Kelly and I both produced, Kelly directed it. We also served as actors in, ver- in yes. minor parts of the book. <laughs> oh, God. And we moved in some of our fellow colleagues because there were so many characters in this book. We needed extras. Um, so we got you, our... See, one of you were like Astrid's mom or something. I just remember... doesn't matter. I loved how no, many Astrid, people were. Astrid's mom was not... Was, was an actress. <laughs> she was a truly <laughs> trained actor. And she was if you listen hard, hard, you can probably tell who you I tell? am. You can tell? Oh, no. This untrained voice of... <laughs> Oh no. Kelly is so self-deprecating. It's like hilarious. As an actress, yes. She's like valid. So she was she was Mini Me, which is one of the roller girls. And I was Thrilla Godzilla. Um and we had um another producer over here and she was one of the other character or one of the other roller girls as well. Julie did a great job. She sounds absolutely professional and wonderful. <laughs> I love having bit parts in these things. They're so. Fun. Oh my I, gosh. I, I, I chose Thrilla Godzilla because I like that she was kind of edgy and I, I loved her name. Mm-hmm. But she also talks, she um, equates 
some of the roles in on the team on, on a roller derby team to Harry Potter. To and Harry Potter, as soon as yes. that brought up, I was like, I need the Harry Potter line. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I love, I love that. Yeah, I don't think much about acting either, but what I loved about listening to this book was um, Almeri Guerra, uh, who plays Astrid. She's so yeah. talented and things like where there's a box that has just text versus her speaking. Just by the change in her voice, you could tell when she was thinking and when she was speaking and when she was just reading text. Um, oh, I thought I'm that was so glad. <laughs> I'm I, so was glad that translated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, yeah. there were, you know, I listened to a lot of audiobooks, and I'm grateful that it, it seems like we're getting more audiobooks. Hopefully, the the folks like me are just consuming more, and that makes a greater demand. I hope, but um, it it was neat too to hear new voices. I feel like often I'm, I'm starting mm-hmm. to get used to some of the voices that I'm hearing on, on audiobooks and to have such a wide cast and to hear mm-hmm. like, yeah, to hear young voices just killing it. I mean, mm, awesome. I was going to say though, Victoria, as I'm watching our time, I wanted to congratulate each of you in turn, but for you, Victoria, uh, to have a debut book go on to win <laughs> a great big silvery award and then go on to have a first yeah. being an audiobook is a really, really cool thing. And I know you continue to make amazing stories. And I- I'm just so grateful that Roller Girl continues to-, to reach and reach into new readers, my own included. Thanks for making amazing books for our children. And Julie and Kelly, thanks, thanks for the treatment that you give to these books to to bring them to new ears and to honor the source material. Thank you. That it's our pleasure. It really is. Um, working with books is a dream come true. So um, it's just it's an honor to know that people are listening and enjoying. And uh, it's always an honor to work with authors like Victoria. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I w- and. Go Let ahead. me add my thanks to Kelly and Juliana. Thanks. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> awesome. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to make sure that we end our time together um, after gratitude, which is always most important. But I want to make sure we also end it <laughs> with with your readers, with our readers, with the kids I work with, with the kids that are literally right outside the door. Um, and and I'll start with you, Kelly, with this question. I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Um, I know that we in our house use audiobooks as um, like getting some extra reading time in. So we're not necessarily listening to the same books we're reading. And that's how I try to use audiobooks with my son. Um, and I, I and I think my message to kids would be like, just read what you enjoy. Don't read what you know you think people are expecting of you, but, um, to, to truly grow and grow as a reader and to love it all your life, just read the things that make you happy, uh, make you, that move you. Thank you, Kelly. Julie, same question. I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message I can bring to them from you? I think going with our theme of experimenting and trying new things, um, something that I took not only from my own personal experience of creating this audiobook with Kelly and Victoria, but also some of the messages in the book, um, such as Astrid going after becoming a roller derby girl and going through this experience of wanting to become a jammer and not getting chosen. I think it's really easy in this age of social media to kids for kids to see people and 
Instagram or Snapchat or YouTube and think that they just came out of the gate as these wonderful talents, whatever that means. And I think it's a good reminder for kids to just keep dedicating yourself to something that you're passionate about. And um, you will get there as long as you keep dedicating yourself and practicing and immersing yourself in whatever that means for you. Yes, and Winnie the power herself, Victoria. <laughs> I'll see a library full of children. What message can I bring to them from you? Um, well, sorry, my husband just came in with coffee. <laughs> I can't concentrate. Um, so I, I think everyone's talked about their different kids and the way that they read and um, the way they experience books. Um, so I think like my own son, he's only four, but... I've had to learn through him that he doesn't really like to read normal books. Like he is obsessed with Lego manuals and that's something I've had to kind of adapt to. So I guess I would tell the kids like, however you like to read um, or however you experience books, don't let him feel you make you feel ashamed or embarrassed. Um, You know, if you, Matthew, you talk about how you read slowly. I think that's great. And, or if you like to read Lego manuals, if you like to read graphic novels or listen to audiobooks or picture books, it's all listening. It's all learning and reading. So however you take in stories is, is great. This is Darshna Kiani, children's author and book blogger. Want to find out the latest South Asian books in children's literature? Check out www.flowering-minds.com forward slash South Asian Kidlet. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out with the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. 
The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.